0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for tuning in to Nights of the Storm. It is Saturday, January 20th, 2024 A.D. I am Franco Matei, otherwise known as Angry Tiger. This morning, ladies and gentlemen, in today's geopolitical environment, there are many terms thrown around. A lot of these terms are convoluted and twisted on their head. Terms such as Zionism, Semitic, and anti-Semitic, and so on and so forth. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we will take a deep dive into Zionism, its roots, where it came from, and how it has hijacked Christianity, and what it means today. This will be a hard episode for some. Some of you might even be offended. Our intent of this episode is to understand what Zionism is. By no means is this a hit piece on people who practice Judaism, or those who call themselves Jewish. This is a technical, historical, and theological dive into what Zionism really means and how it ties into geopolitics and modern Christianity today. With what's going on in the Middle East, this is something that we must understand and be vigilant that we don't fall into the trappings of Zionism, whether it be politically or religiously. We have an armory of information for you this morning, ladies and gentlemen. A quiver full of informational arrows for you to use in defense of your mind and your soul. So tie yourselves to a tree, ladies and gentlemen, because a storm is a-blowing in. With us today, host of Knights of the Storm, Jason Barker, a gale force blowing down the walls of tyranny. Also host of Knights of the Storm. Cruising through the land, dropping liberty like it's a load of meat on the whole country. Angus Mustang. And also with us today, our very, very special guest. Constitutional populist. Executive producer of Free Mind Films. A blazing dahlia of liberty cutting through the contamination and lies of the authoritarian banking technocratic complex. Ladies and gentlemen, we would like to welcome to the show Mary Ellen Moore. Good morning, lady and gentlemen. How are you guys doing today? You're muted still, Mary.
1: (laughs) How about now?
2: Yeah, you're good now.
1: Okay, sorry about that. Yeah, happy to be here and honored that you would ask me to come on and uh, have a conversation with all of us about this subject.
2: Yeah, I'm doing good, Franco. Uh, This is going to be educational for me. Cause I see these terms thrown around a lot and they're used in different contexts. So I don't think most of the people that use the, these different phrases actually know what they mean. So I thought this was a, a conversation worth having and a little bit of education.
3: Angus. Yeah. Doing well this morning. Glad to be here. And I think this ought to be a good conversation and uh, I plan on not having a lot to say, but I'm going to be listening the whole time. So uh, I'm going to run something.
2: full. I'm going to run full speed down the third rail. You know, just we are like,
0: all <laughs> children at Mary Ellen's feet today. She is yeah, the 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 information master today, and we're gonna we're we're gonna dig down deep into this. Jay, do you? Uh, I know you guys do a Bible quote. Do we have a Bible quote for this morning? No, or? I, I foregoed
2: that today because this is all gonna be kind of a a biblical kind of reference. So we're just gonna jump right into it, Franco.
0: Excellent, excellent. So where to begin, Mary Ellen? Where do we begin?
1: Well, I think. Um... I'd like to begin with, I want to first say that I am opposed to racism in any form, and that includes what we call today anti-Semitism. And I would like to say, and I don't know that everybody knows the origin of the word anti-Semitism or what a Semite actually is. And I I'd like to start with that. And the word Semite actually was invented in the 1800s and it's in the Oxford Dictionary. And back then it was a person belonging to a race which included the people of Genesis 10 descended from Shem. And that would include Arabs, Hebrews of that time, Assyrians, Arameans, and included all of those who spoke the Semitic languages. So right away, that tells us that that word has been misused.
0: Can I ask you a question, Mary Ellen? Sure. Are Palestinians Semitical?
1: Absolutely, most okay. most Palestinians. I mean, we have to always allow for <clears throat> intermarriage, intermingling, and with all the conquering that's been done in the last two or 3,000 years, a lot of us are pretty mixed heritage, myself included. I'm uh, I'm definitely not Jewish, but I, in doing the ancestry thing, my sister did. We are we have about thirteen percent Ashkenazi. Which, of course, if you are Ashkenazi and or you're Jewish, then you can be called an anti-Semite, even though the Ashkenazis have nothing to do with the Semitic languages or the Semitic races.
0: So, in essence, the aggression against the Palestinian people today technically is anti-semitical
1: yes but that word i believe has been used to like racism has been or calling somebody a racist to put a chilling effect on people being able to have a conversation nice interesting i
2: i think we were talking before mary uh before the show and um i think what we had what we discussed was that when you use overuse words they lose their meaning Right.
1: Well, absolutely. And you can look at the Anti-Defamation League, the ACLU, Hollywood, and even to a very large extent, the Christian clergy today has utilized that word to to strike terror into the hearts of people that want to investigate or speak the truth.
2: Yeah. Ashley over there on on the Rumble chat, she says weaponized terms. That's right. right. Uh, We love to weaponize terms these days for political purposes.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I also want to say I have Jewish friends, I have Palestinian friends and, you know, I think most people, regardless of what their religious beliefs or political leanings are, most of us really want to be left alone, raise our kids and not be involved in all this horrific drama that has been surrounding us for so many years.
2: Yeah, this was uh, this whole subject is one that I've always just avoided and stayed away from, you know, but uh, with my tax dollars going to basically it's basically almost a genocide going on. I mean, when I see children being killed through war and and I don't even have to pick a side of the war, I just don't want war. You know, Um, I think that this was uh, it was time for me to finally figure out what all this stuff means because I'm funding it. I'm funding the war. So, you know, whether I want to or not, it's still my tax dollars going towards it. So it, it would be irresponsible for me to just turn my head and not, not look at what's going on. So that's kind of why I wanted to do this episode, Franco.
0: Um, Yeah, it's important to me because I have, I have Palestinian friends and I, I've studied the Middle East geopolitics and their religions for, for quite some time growing up in Michigan. We have an extremely large Middle Eastern population from Yemenis to, you know Le- P- Lebanese to every Chaldeans and so I'm very you know it's kind of in, in that near and dear to my heart but it's something that affects us like you said it a- and our war machine you know loves the Middle East and you know we have oil over there and there's so much to it people just don't understand how deep this goes and how far back this all goes you know you could you could go far further back than the Balfour Declaration yes. and, and and look at this <clears throat> kind of stuff and it's it's been chaos over there, over religion for a very long time. And I think that it's, it's important that we understand what and why, especially with Zionism, because it's, I see Zionism creeping into a lot of different philosophies, religions. I hear, I hear, uh, Christians on the right saying that Israel is, you know, those are God's people. And we have to, we have to, you know, look out for that. And, uh, I, you know, so it's important that we have an expert like Mary Ellen on this, you know, to to get down to the bones of the situation. What do you think, Angus? What are your thoughts on this?
3: Well, I mean, to me, they they take Zionism, and I know this is what the, our conversation is going to be about today, but you know, so they're actually using it as a protection too, you know, because they they're not all Jews are Zionists, and not all Zionists are Jewish. Correct. So they, they, they put up that wall to just so we, if you say something bad about Zionists, well then you know you're you're against Jews. Well, no, that's not what the whole thing is about. And and like we were saying at the beginning, people don't understand where that dividing line is, so so to speak. And that's what I'm interested in in, in finding out and explaining to people.
0: But before we get into the history, Mary Ellen, I have one more question for you. Now and this is something I like to make a distinction between because people don't do this, they don't understand this a lot of people. Are Jewish people a race or is it a religion?
1: Well, that's, that's the $64,000 question. So if you ask uh, most Jewish people that I, I've actually asked that question to, most will tell you that it is a religion. So what that means is you and I can convert to the religion of Judaism and be part of Israel or God's chosen people, okay? If it's a race, we don't know who true bloodline Israel is because of the diaspora and all the people that have intermingled. I mean, I, I think I said to you or somebody the other day that uh, my grandmother is the one. I have a great a great a grandmother who has the Ashkenazi line, and she's Polish. And of course, the Ashkenazi came from Eastern Europeans. What if 500 years ago, some of the some supposed Jewish people Converted to Christianity and then that lines passed down. does that make me Jewish by race because I have that blood so it's very convoluted and I think what we've done is we've allowed the uh, idea of of Israel as just a race to cloud our thinking because. If we look at it as a race and you go back to the Old Testament and look at what how it was founded Israel was technically founded on regeneration. And some people might take offense at that. But God's chosen people meant that they were, at the time, the custodians of the word of God, okay? And the line of Christ was to come through them, okay? So that is how it has come down through the centuries. Once Christ was born and came in the first advent, he was roundly rejected by the Pharisees and most of the Jews. Now many Jews did become followers of Christ. They did not but overall they rejected Christ as as savior because they wanted him to come as king. And he didn't come as king and he is he came as savior and so there's why many many Jews are anti-Christian because they don't they want they they want to have prepare the world for the coming of their messiah. Okay, so Christ came and he fulfilled the law and fulfilled the Old Testament. And we are under the new covenant now. And I know that also is a very controversial subject. And we're not going to go into a lot of detail about that. I just know and I'll I'll start with a Bible verse here today that I love. And that's from the book of Galatians, where uh, God said or refers to Abraham. And even so, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of the faith who are the sons of Abraham. Abraham was the father of the spiritual seed. And when God said, I will bless thee, he was talking to Abraham. He wasn't talking about a nation of Israel because they were a people on the move and they were shown the land and promised the land. But that part is done now so there is a whole counterfeit movement to recreate the nation of israel of the old testament so and the and the christian zionists want to bring about the second coming and the 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 people in israel that even believe in god which not many do they're looking for the first coming of the messiah so are we is there a deception going on there i i think there is
2: that that's interesting you said that there's those out there that want the second coming to come sooner. Yes. Um, I I like what David Knight says. David Knight says, God doesn't need your help.
1: That's it. Exactly. Just live your life and be ready. And how arrogant is it to think that man is going to regather Israel? And of course, I don't believe any Israel that is regathered. We're the spiritual seed. Israel is now the spiritual seed. And there's many passages in the Bible that talk about Abraham being the father of the spiritual seed. And I can, I'll give you a perfect example of that Ruth in the Bible was David's great-grandmother. And she was a Moabitess and she came to god to believe in the messiah coming by converting at that time she was not bloodline israel but she became part of israel because she believed and took on the belief in the in israel's coming of the messiah
0: um i have a quick question and then then we can uh if you want, uh, tell me where to start. I have I have some yeah. declarations and some other things pulled up, and um. So, uh, did Israel ever exist? I thought it was always, and, and I might be I might be wrong here, but that's Jerusalem, that area, isn't it? And, and so, did a nation or a state of Israel ever exist? Or, or because I've never seen that, I've always heard of the Israeli people, but not not a nation state existing. Called Israel until you know modern times.
1: Yes, well, they you know we had um, we had several kings, and they had the Southern Kingdom of Judah and the Northern Kingdom, and Israel in the Old Testament went through many um, captivities, and that was God's discipline. And the whole Old Testament is Israel being the nation of Israel as a people, as a spiritual seed. They they were very naughty. And if you read the Old Testament, <laughs> Jeremiah and all these prophets were constantly warning them, and um, it all culminated with the coming of Jesus Christ, and that was that was the end. And in 70 A.D. Not only was Jerusalem destroyed by the Romans, but it was destroyed in such a way that there wasn't one stone left unturned as Jesus Christ predicted. And if you go to Israel today and think you are walking in the unholy land, you are not. You are, you are not following the steps of Jesus. You are in the, the same region, but you are not. That whole, whole area has been rebuilt. It is, there's nothing left of the stones that contributed to Herod's temple or the first temple. Okay, so it's, it's gone, and that was part, even Jesus in the book of Matthew looked at Jerusalem and was lamenting over what was going to happen to it in 70 AD, and that was the end. They had every chance to accept Christ, they didn't, so that was the end. So it all comes down to now is that Zionists and Christian Zionists want that land to be repopulated with Jews or people that call themselves part of Israel in order to bring about The second coming of christ
0: fascinating fascinating um what would you like me to do mary ellen would you like me to pull anything up or how would you like me to do this
1: i'd like to start really quick i'm just going to give a quick couple sentences on world war one i've always known a little bit more about world war ii than i have about world war one and over the years i've kind of studied more about it because in our third documentary uh shadow ring we go over the lusitania and how the united states was kind of uh suckered into getting involved in world war one Well, the lusitania technically didn't work because that was actually a couple years before we really got involved but in world war one i mean we can discuss how zionism started but in world war one The uh, Britain was um, really facing defeat. Brittany and France were not doing well in 1916, and uh, a lot of the leading Zionists in Great Britain um, intimated that they could bring America into the war, provided that Britain would secure a Jewish people a national homeland, Um, And then the British consented and came up with the Balfour Declaration, and that was Secretary Arthur Balfour, who was a 33rd degree Mason, uh, came up with the Balfour Declaration and wrote it to Walter Rothschild, who was a private banker. And I know you, uh, Franco, (laughs) are deeply embedded with the study of the bankers. So the only way to, to... induce America to come in was because there was a lot of really wealthy American Jews at that time. And even prior to that, a lot of wealthy Jews in in Europe and in the United States were already buying up land in Palestine. So they secretly provided this Balfour Declaration. By the way, not a treaty, a declaration. So I was going to have you read it, Franco, and I'd like you to read it slowly.
2: Franco, you're muted, brother.
0: Thank you, JB. Here we go. Dear Lord Rothschild, I have much pleasure in conveying to you, on behalf of His Majesty's Government, the following declaration of sympathy with Jewish Zionist aspirations, which has been submitted to and approved by the Cabinet to His Majesty's Government view with favor of the establishment in Palestine, a national home for the Jewish people, and will use their best endeavors to facilitate the achievement of this object, it being clearly understood that nothing shall be done which may prejudice the civil and religious rights of existing non-Jewish communities in Palestine, or the rights and political status enjoyed by Jews in any other country. I should be grateful if you would bring this declaration to knowledge of the Zionist Federation.
1: Signed, Alfred Balfour. Now, we go back to the middle. It being clearly understood that nothing shall be done which may prejudice the civil and religious rights of existing non-Jewish communities in Palestine. Remember it had been under the Ottoman rule for about 400 years. There were Christians, Jews and mostly Muslims living in the Palestine region. Okay, now what does that central sentence, what does that mean to you guys? How do you, what's your takeaway from that sentence in the middle of the declaration?
0: I, uh to me on its face, Mariel, and to be honest, it doesn't sound bad. It sounds like that, oh, well, we're going to go over there and take everything over. But, well, it does sound bad. It depends how you look at it. But we're going to go over there and take everything over. But we're not going to bother anybody. I mean, and I'm putting it in very plain working man's English. That's what it sounds like to me. It almost sounds like, um, what do you call that? A, uh, um, you know, kind of like, hey, we're going to do this. But, you know, there might be some trouble, but that's not our intent. Right.
3: Just almost like eminent domain. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) I I kind of uh,
2: agree with Franco's assessment on that.
1: Well, it might interest you to know that the phrase about the rights of existing non-Jewish communities was not in the original draft, but it was eventually added after the fact to deter critics because there was going to be some panic, Uh, especially when the Arabs figured out that Remember, did you guys ever see the movie Lawrence of Arabia?
2: A long time ago. Okay, yeah. It's worth watching
1: again because knowing what we know now, you can kind of read between the lines. The the British were very devious because they really figured out that not only would, you know, about the the Jewish aspect, that was something separate, but they also figured out that if they could get the Arabs involved on their side to fight against the Turks because there was a huge rivalry there, that that would mean victory for the, uh, for the allies, for the British and the French who were not winning. But um, they lied. It was an incredible betrayal. And you see that at the end of Lawrence of Arabia. <clears throat> In fact, he was um, he was so upset that he ended up turning down his medals and everything at the end, because it's worth watching that film. You have to read between the lines. Zionism never mentioned the Balfour Declaration, but the promises to the Arabs, they got them to fight the Turks, and uh, basically it was the dissolving of the the whole uh, Middle East, and the French and the British actually had secret plans of how that area was going to be divided up. It did not include Russia, and it did not include uh, Germany. So, and that's why I also mentioned, and Franco was going to look up the uh, Sykes Pico agreement, which was a very secret, very secret agreement between Lord uh, Mark uh, Sykes and the French counterpart um, Pico. And they had a secret agreement about how it was going to be divided up between. The French and the British. Now, can you imagine? I mean, obviously, a lot of these people were nomadic, and you know, we tend to think of ourselves as superior because of that. But you know, they had a. It wasn't just a Jewish thing. They had a lot of natural resources there. British, we knew about oil back then, and they wanted to get their hands on that. So, your lives are being, you know, broken up, and your livelihoods and your um, nationalities, been broken up by a couple of big shots. Have, making secret agreements in private rooms so um do, did you do a little homework on them sykes pico can you let people know what that what that is i would
0: actually it's not that big of a document i think no I, I, hey real know. quick before we jump
2: into that franco i got a couple comments i want to um throw mary ellen's sure. way absolutely um, so a syrian girl how you doing there syrian girl it's good to see you, you um, yeah she says the nation of israel existed under the king's Saul, yeah. David, Solomon, and even even if you discard their identity as a nation in the hundreds of years under judges. Yes. Um, so that was thought I'd throw that your way and see what you had to say about that.
1: Well, I just didn't expound on it. I said, yes, there was a nation of Israel, and there was a southern kingdom and a northern kingdom, and there was different phases of that. Yes, it started with the judges until they wanted a king, and they existed for a very long time. They had kings, Hezekiah. We had King Saul. We had King David. We had King Solomon. And, you know, it went on for for many, many years, yes. But that's not to be confused with the so-called nation of Israel that's there today, which is a nation, it's a state.
2: Right, right um so uh i, I think there's that's a, a very important distinction as well you know uh today's current like nation states versus uh, uh an actual nation Because nation is what bo- borders uh tongue uh, tribes right yes was, yep um so brian taylor uh, he's got the lovely long hair i love his hair uh, he he says fabio. Are you, yeah fabio there you go he says are y'all aware of the Havara agreement. It was an agreement with Hitler and the Zionists to send Jews from Germany to Palestine. It seems Hitler actually worked with Zionists. I did not know that.
1: He did, and that's a that's a very touchy subject, <laughs> because when you talk about that, um, you know, a lot of people don't really want to accept the fact that there was some some of the Jewish bankers and corporations did work with Hitler, and one way to get the Jews back to the land was by persecution, just like the Bolsheviks did in 1917. Most of the Bolsheviks were Jews. I always like to correct people when they talk about Trotsky. His name was Lev Bronstein. It wasn't Trotsky, and they were actually very anti-Zionist to begin with. But uh, they, you know, eventually came around. So we, we have to not be afraid to call individuals out and different groups out. It doesn't mean we hate Jewish people or hate Muslims or hate and I I always want to correct that because one, when you start talking about these things, then you people go, Oh, oh, so you're pro-Hitler. Oh, so you're pro-Hamas. No, that's not what I'm saying. But you we we tend to look at everything in black and white and there are some gray areas here
0: well that's the division technique that they have used going on the weaponized terminology as someone alluded to in the chat earlier i think it was ashley and when we talk about hitler it's 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 amazing to me because if you look into things the bankers on in the ally in the allied nations funded hitler he was a times man of the year hitler wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for our, you know our the Western Alliance, they 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 really were you know cheerleaders for him up until it was time for World War II to happen. So it's not out of the realm or the wheelhouse to to pair Zionism with with Hitler. I'm just, he worked with a lot of people, and you know yes. and all like you said, Mary Ellen, this all goes back to the bankers, the Rothschild effect. They yes. they have their hands in everything, you know. And I'm sorry if the Rothschilds were. Jewish by faith or, you know, however you want to put it. But that's, it's a fact. So, sure.
1: yeah. I mean, it's sure
0: like
3: Bolshev- Brown Brothers Harriman and stuff that back backed like, the Nazis right.
1: then. Right. Well, you know, they, I will say this, the, the uh Jewish Holocaust notwithstanding, you know, why did America, after the Bolshevik Revolution and everything that happened in Russia under Lenin and the Bolsheviks, and then Stalin came into power. We actually allied ourselves with a worse butcher than Hitler. Stalin killed millions more people than Hitler ever dreamed of killing. And I, you know, I always questioned that. I remember the Yalta Conference. Uh, my dad used to talk about they; those guys sat there and gave one third of the world away to communism, just with a signature. And uh, look at the suffering that went on during the Cold War years with those people, the the Stasi in East Germany and Soviet Russia. I don't equate today's Russia with the Soviet Russia, but even so, you know, our politicians did that.
0: Well, yeah, and the the politicians, they are the puppets of the snake-headed, gypsy, tin-bending central bankers. This is it. That's why that's if you, I I hate to say this and I know it's simplistic because I'm the guy that says, you can't just blame the Jews. You can't just blame the Vatican. You can't go after the Masons. You can't go after just one group. their tentacles though, spread out everywhere. The money, the money is spread through all of these groups that you have to look at. And that's unfortunately, so they're the producers of, of these things in, in my, in my assertion but should we get into the, uh, Sykes-Picot agreement?
1: Yeah. Yeah, if you if you'd like to go over it real quick, that'd be great.
0: Can you throw that up on the screen for me, Jay? I'm disabled over here doing that. Yep, um, I got you, brother. Okay, all right. So this is the Sykes-Picot Agreement, and it starts off. It's uh, it's uh, Sir Edward Grey to Paul Camden, the fifteenth of May, nineteen sixteen. I shall have the honor to reply fully in further note to Your Excellency's note of the ninth instant relative to the creation of an Arab state. But I should meanwhile be grateful if your excellency could assure me that those regions, which under the conditions recorded in that communication, become entirely French, or in which French interests are recognized as predominant. Any existing British concessions, rights of navigation or development, and the rights and privileges of any British, religious, scholastic, or medical institutions shall be maintained. His Majesty's government are, of course, ready to give a, re- a reciprocal assurance in regard to the British area, and this is Sir Edward Grey to Paul Camden. I have the honor to acknowledge the receipt of your Excellency's note of the ninth instant. There are a lot of they stand on ceremonies a lot. Sorry, I just need to No, they that do. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: of the ninth instant, stating that the French government accept the limits of future Arab state or confederation of states and of those parts of Syria where French interests predominate together with certain conditions attached thereto, such as the result from recent discussions in London and Petrograd on the subject. I have the honor to inform Your Excellency in reply that the acceptance of the whole project as it now stands will involve the abdication of considerable British interests. But since his majesty's government recognized the advantage to the general cause of the allies entailed in producing a more favorable internal political situation in Turkey, they are are ready to accept the arrangement now arrived at, provided that the cooperation of Arabs is secured and that the Arabs fulfill the conditions and obtain the towns of Homs, Hama, Damascus, and Aleppo. Aleppo? Aleppo? What's Aleppo? Aleppo? It's accordingly understood between French and British governments that number one, the France and Great Britain are prepared to recognize and protect an independent Arab state of confederation of Arab states in these areas, A and B, marked on the annexed map under the Susan. (laughs) What is that, Susan Terry of an Arab chief that in area A, France and in area B, Great Britain, shall have priority of right of enterprise and local loans, that in area A, France, and in area B, Great Britain, shall alone supply advisors or foreign functionaries at the request of an Arab state or confederation of Arab states. Number two, that in the blue area, France, and in the red area, Great Britain, shall be allowed to establish such direct or indirect administration of control as they desire and as they may think fit to arrange with the Arab state or confederation of Arab states. That in the brown area, there shall be established an international administration, the form of which is to be decided upon after the consultation with Russia and subsequently in consultation with other allies and the representatives of the Sharif. Of mecca this is extremely extremely interesting they're dicing everything up like a pie here it's it's colonialism absolute <laughs> colonialism
1: absolutely and it's psychopaths dividing up the world in cahoots with the bankers
2: and and the people who live in that region i mean was this written yesterday uh because this is what i see us doing today right we we, we go out all over the place and, and put our install our armies you know, or put our bases up, and then we're wherever our interests lie, we go there. And the people who live there, um, Afghanistan was like that. You know, the people of Af- Afghanistan, they didn't really half of them didn't care if we were there or not. You know, they just wanted to go about their life. Uh, right. So, what were we doing there? I don't know. We were, we were looking for a guy in a cave that flew two planes into a tower. I don't know.
0: You know, on the right, and I just want to kind of throw this out there. Because you guys use the word Jason, you use the word colonialism, and that's a dirty word on the right because the left uses that a lot. Oh, the colonialists, the colonialists. Now, as a libertarian and as a Christian, I I understand that men conquer, and that's what happens, like what happened with this country. Okay. And colonialism exists, that doesn't mean it's a good thing. I mean, the left has a little bit of a you know a point there. Colonialism is usually the destruction of another, you know, society. To replace it with your own. Well, I, I hate to say that, I, but that's
2: what happens. I would say, to me, the difference between colonialism and conquering. If you conquer a land, it becomes your land. You take care of your land. When you, when you establish a colony, you're going over there to take what you want and disregard the land and the people there. That, in my mind, that's what it is. It's, it's setting up colonies because you want to exploit the resources. Um, and you don't care if you leave it a, a, a crap hole when you leave, you know? If you ever do leave, it's not taking ownership or stewardship is what I would say. Um, I don't know. That's just in my mind. That's how it works.
3: And In which the United States as a country is really good at doing lately, Afghanistan, Iraq, and just totally destroying everything and leaving nothing behind that's useful anymore.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's almost better if we just went there and said, hey, we're in charge now. This is a 51st state because then we would have some kind of stewardship of it. And, and the interest would be in um, in that nation to build it up, not just to take the resources,
0: you know? Mary Ellen, what do you think of that? I mean, uh, I, I mean, the word colonialism, I'm not trying to get off base here, but this is very important because that's another word that again, it's like a dirty word for people on the right to say or libertarians to say. What do you think?
1: Well, I, and I agree. I agree with everything you guys said. I think that, you know, it's a word that's been bandied about and also, um, you know, colonialism is is, it's really not a good thing because 99% of the time it's been used to exploit a country. I really learned a lot when I read Confessions of an Economic Hitman. And uh, my friend uh, who, God rest his soul, he was such a great man, Eustace Mullins wrote a great book about a similar thing, how we go in and exploit the resources of these countries but we pretend like we're we're spreading democracy and that's what i have the problem with in fact you know it's like andrew jackson is one of my heroes i love him and i always I still respect him, even after I found out what he did to the Cherokee. And I have a I have a book that is an old set of history books, and there's a whole book on Andrew Jackson, and it talks about the uh, the Cherokee and what we did to them in Georgia. And the really sad thing was, again, banker type people or greedy politicians wanted more of the land in Georgia, so we kept confiscating and putting settlers into their lands. But guess what? Those Indians were actually assimilating. They were opening stores, they were assimilating. And then we decided, nope, we want them all out of there. And we kind of did to them what happened to the Palestinians in 1948. We sent them on the Trail of Tears. And, um, you know, we we look back on that. America has not always done the right thing. We've been a very naughty nation. I agree with everything we were founded on. But human nature is what it is. And we we did some very, very nasty things. The, you know, Andrew Jackson and the bankers, that was a good thing. But, you know, we have to look realistically at what we've allowed to happen in our name. Now, colonialism, I don't know if you can call that colonialism, what we did to the Indians. But we basically pushed them out instead of having them assimilate. Because I'm sure there was some assimilations at first when, you know, the an, initial... Uh, Puritans got here. I'm sure there was some times of peace with the Indians and stuff. And we blame them for everything. And look on here. I always sound like a liberal when I talk this way, but I think we have to really look at history and not just who wrote history.
0: Well, we have to. We have to tell the truth, whether we it fits into the we're stuck in this dichotomy that's this construct that's built for us. If you're, if you're lean to the right or you're libertarian, you can't, you know, oh your colonialism is, you know, you can't, you can't say that word because it's a bad word. You know, that's right. what the left says. And no, you're right. I mean, what we did to the Indians was horrible. It was, it was horrendous. I mean, it's conquering. I mean, I'm a, I study the Roman empire. We didn't we did the exact same thing. The Roman empire did when it went into a, an area, you know, only worse actually, to be honest with you. So we erased their culture. And, and, and sent them into little areas and said, this is what you get, you know, and that's, you know, that's not Christian at all. And that's where I, I take, you know, a problem.
1: No, no, one of the blessings that came out of British colonialism, and I, and this is just one thing that I look at, <clears throat> is that when you say the sun didn't set on the British empire and they went all around the world, one thing that did come out of it. And I say this as a follower of Christ, Uh, It was another way for the gospel to be spread because with them went a lot of missionaries. And you can look at that as good or bad. But, you know, I think a lot of people heard the gospel because of the one good thing that came out of uh, the British colonialism. So, you know, that's just my personal opinion.
3: The the funny thing is um, assimilation. So you're saying that the pilgrims or Puritans came here and expecting the Indians to assimilate to the culture they're bringing, where now we expect people from other countries coming here to assimilate to our culture, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It, it, mm-hmm. We're going to bring this here, and you're going to you're going to agree with us. Or it's amazing how they, they, you can twist that around after you know hundreds of years. And astute uh, observation,
0: girl. Angus. That that's at how you point that out. That's yes. very
2: astute. I, I like what a Syrian girl has to say in the chat. Uh, mankind is inherently evil, and wave after wave of invasions have gone on throughout all of written history. The U.S. is no different. We are not better, and we are not worse. I think that's spot on. Uh, man is inherently flawed and uh, has a tendency or a nature to be evil, and that's why we need Christ, you know?
1: I, I love her. She always has a very articulate way of, of stating these things. I, I really, uh, really enjoy her comments. Um, I see them on the different chats as well. So um, yeah, so I, I think we have to, um, it's not putting all the blame on one group of people. Yeah, we did some nasty things to the Indians. And yeah, um, you know, but we now the, what the liberals have done is they've deified the Indians to the point where these people are all saints and, you know, like the Aztecs, oh no, you know, they didn't do child sacrifice and they didn't, you know, so we have to look for the, the good and evil in all these situations. I, I, you know, they weren't environmentalists. A lot of people say, oh, the Indians were incredible environmentalists. No, they weren't. They ran herds of buffaloes over cliffs and, you know, it was, they weren't perfect either. But I wish we would have found a better way to um, it's not assimilation, but but to get along. I mean, we were a melting pot here for an awfully long time that seemed to work pretty well. But we can't have that. We must have division.
0: I think uh, let's let's get back into the Zionism here. Um, hey,
2: real quick, uh, yeah. let me give shout outs, and then we'll take a quick break, and then it'll give us a chance to reset and uh, and start and start over. Sound good? Okay, so um, I wanted to make sure I acknowledge everybody. So Harps was here first. What's up, Harps? He's our thunder from down under. Um, yeah, it's it's late there or early, however you want to look at it. So we got Union of the Unknowns. That's Ashley from Union of the Unknowns. She's in there. Uh, let's see. Rhoda Tate, how you doing? That's our bell from the south. Uh, let see. Assyrian girl, of course, is there. Angus is in there. I'm in there. Uh, Opossum King. What's going on? Brian Taylor. Uh, Joyous Whitestone, how you doing? little john's in the house uh it's a lumberjack of liberty and i think am i missing anybody oh gardner goldsmith popped in he's uh listening in while he does chores how you doing guard uh ripper 6720 is in the house and that's everybody in the chat we got anybody no it's just me and you over on free world right angus yeah all right so let me run this little commercial and then we'll we'll pick it right back up here we go Are you ready?
0: Financial news. So you see, you would figure with some of this calamity going on, the markets would be devastated. I wonder why they're not. Do you think the banks are the only place that the central banks are are injecting liquidity and money into?
2: Geopolitics.
0: I mean, this is after the Cold War, after the USSR fell and bang, now we got this Ukraine thing. Same thing with this. There's something going on in Taiwan. We want, we, you know, we're going to get our, stick our noses where they don't belong in Taiwan if they have some kind of problem with China. They're building up to this. Religion. I think what we have found out is that man taints the religion, That that governments and people in power who are looking for power. Ain't the religion addiction special. I wanted to talk about, and I know we've touched on this before. We touched on nicotine last time. I want to touch on the cell phones at the grants. We are clowns. They are the world laughs at us. We are mods. It's so infantile. That is infantile. There is zero dignity left.
2: Catch the angry tigers. Then Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern on YouTube, rumble and Twitter. Also tune in Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern for the tiger and snake financial report. See you there.
0: That guy's a maniac. I don't know about watching him. I love
2: the rants. I love the rants. So, all right. I didn't mean to break our train of thought. I just wanted everyone to have a break, get a a fresh glass of water or whatever, and uh, let's pick it back up.
0: All right. um, Back into the Zionism. Should I go on with this uh, declaration?
1: I think I think we get the get the point of it. I just it, it just I, I want people to understand that there are things out there that aren't, we never got to study in history class. I mean, I ask people, have you have ever heard of Sykes-Picot? You know, I hadn't heard of Sykes-Picot until a few years ago. And I knew about the Black, the the Balfour Declaration 30 years ago. So, you know, um, we don't learn these. Things. So I, what I'm encouraging people to do is to think a second time about some of this stuff. and if you guys would like, um, we can talk a little bit about um, uh, Christian Zionism.
0: Oh <laughs> please do. Yes. Really.
1: <laughs> another another uh, controversial subject that is um, you know when Zionism started, it was it was mainly a, a political movement. It wasn't a um, religious movement. It was uh, the Rothschilds founded the World Zionist Congress to promote Zionism. And it, it it was nothing more than to secure a homeland for Jews. But, you know, there's some other nefarious things involved with that. And, you know, Theodore Herzl and, you know, but there were actually before the 1880s, there were Christians in Great Britain, who were already looking at trying to convert Jews to Christianity. And to do that, send them back to encourage them to go to Israel to found, to found a, a Jewish state there as, as quote-unquote Jewish Christians. And that was back in the early 1800s. In fact, uh, Napoleon even had some input onto that. So, you know, this goes way back. And then, um, because I think a lot of Christians wanted, wanted the Jews to convert to Christianity, whereas today Christian Zionism and with people like John Hagee, who say, you know, Jews don't have to believe in Christ. Um, they're the chosen people, and therefore they are already saved. Because it doesn't matter who they are, doesn't matter if they're atheists, doesn't matter, you know, they they just automatically are saved because they're because they're God's chosen people, and he. He has a, a huge following and, and like his church alone in San Antonio has like 20,000 people, not to mention his following around the world. But what I'd like to do, and then I, I'll open it up to comments, but I want to read you something that I, I just want people to understand. Um, there is a Christian charity called Christian Aid that, um, it was founded in 1945. It operates in 60 countries. And this is a quote quote from Bob Finley, Christian AIDS founder and CEO. It'll just take me a couple minutes. Since the state of Israel proclaimed its existence within a small portion of Palestine in 1948, many events have transpired in that region, which have had a devastating effect on tens of thousands of evangelical Christians living in 29 Islamic countries from Morocco to Indonesia. Their continued suffering weighs so heavily upon the missionary staff of Christian aid that we can no longer maintain silence. We must speak up on behalf of our fellow believers whose very lives have been put in jeopardy by the endorsement of Zionism by evangelical Christians in America. Christian support for the Zionist movement began in England a century ago when a few Bible teachers began to interpret Old Testament prophecies regarding ancient Hebrews as being applicable to the present day Jewish people. Apparently, those teachers did not know that according to Universal Jewish Encyclopedia, the Ashkenazi or the Yiddish majority of Jewish people originally came from the Empire of Khazaria in southern Russia and are not biologically related to Abraham. So when a few Ashkenazi Zionists began to try to take over parts of Palestine through acts of terrorism about 70 years ago, some Christians started saying it signified the fulfillment of some obscure Old Testament prophecies. Christians today fail to realize how such statements have had a destructive effect on our fellow believers in many parts of the world. So Christian aid has begun to call attention to these facts. Since 1940, the Zionists have killed, driven out or displaced over 2 million of the original residents of Palestine. This is both Christian and Muslim. Their lands, houses, and businesses have been stolen. Most of their property has well. Hundreds of thousands of Palestinians fled to refugee camps and the surrounding countries over a 20-year period. Yet all the while, unbelievably, Christians in America were cheering for the Zionists, proclaiming their atrocities as being blessed of God. In the eyes of Palestinians and their neighbors, what the Zionists have been doing is the equivalent to what the Nazis did to the Jews in Germany 60 years before. How then could Christians endorse such things? Our thoughtless expressions of approval have been destructive in three ways. Um, So, you know, I I can keep going, but I just kind of wanted you guys to get an idea. When the Nakba happened in, in 1948, the immediate, immediate effect was 750,000 people being driven out. That was just what happened in that one year period, okay? And um, I don't understand why people think this is okay. There is nothing okay about this. I don't care what religion or what beliefs you are, this is not right. Does anybody have any comments?
2: I would like to ask. Um, so let's just say that, okay, that, all this atrocity happened and now we have uh, Israel established a nation state of Israel. What is going on now? Are they trying to expand? Is that what it is to get more land? Um, Why, why are they going on the offensive? It seems like.
1: Well, because they have the blessing of, the uh, American evangelical Christian community and also of a lot it's not just the Republicans, it's Democrats too are all in for Israel. I mean, you know, you, you hear little bits and pieces because 80% of Jewish people in America are liberal. I mean that's a that's a fact. But um yeah they they're they're all in. So we we're sponsoring in fact do you know there's churches in the United States that Christian churches that sponsor settlements in Israel? where they literally go up to their house and go you have 3 hours to get out and they bring a bulldoze and they they cut down their olive trees they destroy the house Americans have no idea this is being done in their name and you know I'm surprised that the Palestinians don't hate us as much you know more than they do I mean we're spo- we're sending money for over 4 billion a year to Israel alone that we know of and then we have churches that are sending money to Israel sponsoring this and these can- Christian you go ahead I'm sorry
2: no, th- that's why I wanted to have you on to explain it to me because I feel that, uh, ter- you know, looking the other way is not an option anymore because we're funding yeah. this. So I have to understand, you know, th- a lot of this is news to me. You know, they don't they don't teach us this stuff. And I just wanted to read one comment. That's why I wanted to hop in as well. Uh, Joyous Whitestone. I love this comment. It says precisely, Mary Ellen, Christians are waiting for a physical temple with all eyes on Jerusalem when our eyes must be on Jesus Christ. It nailed thank it you.
1: thank you okay. and I realize not everybody listening to this might not be a Christian or follower of Christ or they have some different ideas but again if you if you study and you open yourself up do some reading and watching the videos you'll have a whole different perspective on this it'd be just like okay so let me get this straight an Irishman goes to Palestine he finds an Arabs house or a Palestinian house and he, and he thinks the vineyards attractive and he goes up to the door and he says, I hereby convert to Judaism. Now give me your house or your land and I'll blow your head off or I'll blow your head off. You know, why are we, it'd be just like if the United Nations said, okay, we're gonna mandate that uh, Texas and the whole Southern Southwest has to give the land back to Mexico. So now wealthy Mexicans come to your house. You live in Southern Arizona and they go, um, "We, this has been given to us now. So the house you're in, we really like it. And so you've got like, you've got a couple hours to get out. We're going to take over your house because the United Nations mandated it, that that's now back to Mexico and that's our land. How that does- was
0: a great, great comparison, Mary Ellen. And, and, and one more thing I'd like to add to, to answer Jason, because again, I, I have many Arabic, you know, friends across the board and, and, and not only see this is the problem now, it goes both ways. Okay. Jewish people, Israeli people in Israel, in school okay in culture they are taught that uh, palestinians are subhuman they're not even human beings okay and now because of the since 1948 and all all of this has happened okay this is an aggression against those people those people in turn are taught that jewish people want to kill them and that um, you know even americans are on the they know this they know about this stuff so you have these seeds of hate that have been watered into these gigantic redwood trees of hate now. And, and it's the two pillars of hate that you have going on, but it's amazing. You know, there's, you know, what Muslims say to me, they say, we like to, uh, we'll eat dinner with the Jewish people, but we'll sleep at a Christian's house. So <laughs> that, you know, they're saying that they don't, they'll, they'll the, the the Jewish person is eating better than the Christian. So they eat there, but they don't trust to go to sleep in the house of a Jewish person. They'll go to sleep in the house of a Christian person. So the hate is taught because of all the things that have happened. You know, it's just, it, it it's in bread, it's bred into them. It's, it's not good.
3: It's a horrible thing. And with no, What's mean, going on now, only making it worse. There's no way of getting, you know, you, you, you really think of somebody in Gaza is going to learn to love Israeli, Israel, a Jewish person in Israel, and vice versa, because they're just shown the hatred for each other. And it's schooled into them. I mean, what the kids are seeing there now, how could that ever go out of your mind?
1: There was a big uh, protest rally the other day in Israel, in Tel Aviv. I don't know if the mainstream press uh, reported on it, but there were thousands and thousands of people in the streets of Tel Aviv. And guess what? A lot of them were Jewish people there are there are especially there now not all orthodox jews there's a large group of orthodox jews who are not zionists and they are in fact some of them here in this country and in other parts of the world um, don't think they should be there at all because they're of the they are very religious and they do believe that they're waiting for the messiah and when the messiah comes he is going to regather Israel, but these people—I've met Jews who are not Zionists, and they—they they are in—and they're not pro-Hamas. They are in step with the Palestinian. They are against what's happening. There are Jewish soldiers. I read about this 20 years ago. That will not—they refuse to fight in the occupied territories. They will not do that. Do what they're told to do because they don't—they don't believe it's right to go uh, terrorize the Palestinians out of their homes.
2: I, I just don't. I still can't wrap my head around they. You have to have a physical line on a map, because I've always thought of the the Jewish people as a people, not necessarily a physical place. So I, I feel like the the nation state of Israel hides behind the. Uh, I guess you can say the religion and the um, the culture. You know uh, the heritage, uh, and I, I look at the is, Israeli people. Um, you know, just physically look at them. I'm like, you know, it, it seems like the the Palestinians in that area more, or are, are probably got more of that heritage in them as far as what you consider to be the Jewish people, or what did you what you call it, you, uh, Franco? You know what I'm talking about? Right? Yeah, Semitic uh, Hebrew. Hebrew. Or, yeah, it's from the, the Hebrew
0: tribes. Yeah. Well, they yeah, gave that's... Jason. They gave a religion a country. That's that's, that's and that's, that's antithetical it. to Americans' thinking. we fo- we founded our country on freedom of religion. And they gave a religion a country. Now you can come to America. It was founded on Christian values, which is excellent. That's why you know we were we were able to excel so quickly in our society. Okay. But but you can be anything and come here. Now, could you imagine if they said, Okay, we're gonna give Christians a country. So Venezuela, you're gone. This is now Christian, you know. Yeah, and, and that's what um how I try to I
2: think of it is if if we did that and then that country did something atrocious, you can't say that that's Christianity, you know, Christianity did that, but that's kind of what we're seeing right now, you know, because then I could defend it and I could say, well, you know, we're Christian and we're on the right side of uh, what Christ wants to do. So we can do whatever we want, but that's not indicative of that religion. We just named it. We just hijacked the name. And that's what the way I see the the state of Israel, they, they hijacked, uh, an entire religion so they whatever they do they kind of get away with it you know and say well this is what God wants well you know what I what if I don't believe that what if I believe God wants something different I don't think God I know the the god of the Old Testament uh there were some pretty barbaric things done that wiped out entire cities and leave nobody alive and all that stuff but with when Christ came and that's why I don't understand how uh Christians can support this because when Christ came we had a new Covenant we had a, you know, a new agreement and we don't do that warring stuff anymore. And, you know, as far as the temple, I like that comment, you know, the, you know, looking
0: to rebuild the temple, the temple is us, right? Thank you. So. All right. Oh, all right. I'll stop God's here. chosen people are those who believe in Christ. They're not a God doesn't. Oh, I'm going to pick you over you. That's humans way of thinking when a lot of times when people try to interpret what's going in the Bible, they use their human mind. God is omnipotent beyond our understanding, but, but really quick. Um, I know we're getting long in the tooth here a little bit, Jay, but I want to ask Mary Ellen a really, really basic question that I think maybe we need to bring some clarity to. What is the difference between traditional or Orthodox Judaism and Zionism?
1: Well, because Zionism has the, more of the political aspect to it. Um, Orthodox Judaism is, and I'm not trying to insult people. (laughs) There's different, as you know, there's different sects of the Orthodox Jewish people. There's the Hasidic and there's several sects of it. Some of them, you know... um, are very much based on the Babylonian Talmud and the Kabbalah and everything like that. And it's, it's, it's to our ears and eyes. It's very, very strange. But then there's some that are, that just practice Orthodox Torah and are waiting for their Messiah. So I don't want to pretend like I'm an expert on all the different types of Orthodox Judaism, but just know that Zionism is, is more political than spiritual. And that's, that's not, but it's been co-opted by Christians because like until about 50 years ago, most people accepted a lot of the prophecies that were in Joshua, at, you know, the coming of the savior was gonna be about the new covenant. But when the Zionist movement began in 1920 or so, or in the late 1800s and people became aware of it and our churches, Ronald Reagan and all the churches and all these Jerry Falwell, they were like, the, Jerry Falwell said, he could get all these people to be pro-Israel and become Republicans and do the white way of voting. And so it kind of became, it kind of snowballed. Just in the last 50 years, it's really snowballed. Since Ronald Reagan, you could go back to Lyndon Johnson um, and, and everybody, you guys all know about the USS Liberty, correct? Correct. OK, well, Ronald Kukul is still alive. He's one of the survivors. I know him very well. And, um, you know, I've, I've studied that incident very much. That's a classic false flag because we we wanted to get they wanted to get America involved in that six day war back in 1967. And American people, you know, we had no reason to be involved with what was going on in Israel, so they wanted to take that ship down and blame it on Egypt to get us involved in that war. Well, it failed with God's grace and mercy. I believe it failed because that ship should have been at the bottom of the ocean. And when Lyndon Johnson called back the ships and planes that were coming to the rescue, who was he answering to? That's the question you have to ask. Who was he answering to? And he said, I am not going to piss off our allies. I want that ship at the bottom of the damn ocean. Okay? What wow. is it? So that was really the beginning of it gaining a lot of traction in America. And to this day, those people have still not been recognized. They had a gag order put on them. They weren't allowed to talk to the press. They were threatened. I mean, and I've talked to several of them. I've actually uh, heard them speak and talked to them. And, you know, it's, and and I highly recommend if you hadn't read any of the books on the Liberty um, that you do so. It's uh, really interesting.
0: Amazing how you mentioned Jerry Falwell. I'm sorry, the Bakers Falwell. They, these are all <laughs> grifters. These are all, and they all are, are saying the same thing. It, it's just, it kind of, it strikes me as as odd, not odd, it kind of goes hand in hand. That the grifting Christian preachers, you know, are in support of the Zionism. It just kind of goes hand in hand with them. I see.
2: That's that just blows my mind because if you're, you know, you don't have to believe what I believe, but if you claim to believe what I believe as a Christian, you should not be supporting war. You know, that's and uh, and that's why I wanted to do this show. I know you got to go here, At. You were lim- limped on time today, so bouncer uh, is ready. He's been he's been yeah. to the groomer.
0: He's all smelling pretty, and his nails are trimmed. Um, so, if you want, you can go ahead and start
2: closing this out, and uh, we might have to do a part two, maybe on your your show. I, or something.
0: I think I think we need to do a part two. Let's just keep it on nights of the storm. You know, I think this is okay. a good format for it. Mary Ellen, would you be willing to come back here? Maybe I, I know. Do you have something planned for next week, JB? Um, I kind of do kind of don't so uh, so
3: whatever mary ellen
0: when when your schedule fits i, okay. I think sooner than later we okay. should probably revisit this because we, we haven't really if have we scratch the surface mary ellen or
1: well yeah scratching the surface is good we can uh delve down some of the rabbit holes on all of this um i i really encourage people um if you're on Twitter, um, to follow my friend uh, Janice Kortkamp, if you know who she is. Some of you might. She, um, before COVID, she went to Syria six times, and she has become a walking encyclopedia on a lot of the Middle East and Middle East history. She's, she's fun to follow there. And also, if you haven't done so, follow Cynthia McKinney. Do all of you know who she is? Um, she, her, yeah, you should, she's a former congresswoman. She's the one that called Donald Rumsfeld out on the $2 trillion right after 9-11. Oh, and she's,
2: okay. she's
1: been to Gaza. And she she tells the story of how when she got to Washington, she was asked to swear fealty to Israel. And she was one of the few who refused. Trust me, if you refuse, you, will, you won't you will be in office more than one or two terms. So um, now why are our congresspeople... Uh, having to swear fealty to Israel. And I'd like, we can talk a little bit about the Israel lobby. The Minnesota, I don't know about other states, but in our GOP platform, we have, we swear allegiance to Israel. In our Minnesota, what? I said, I why was that there? I don't know. Because we like Israel. Well, really? Why is it, what does that have to do with Minnesota?
2: Do we swear allegiance to any other? no allies no that's interesting
1: no anyway well let's leave it i won't say any more than that but you know I, i encourage people uh also there's another wonderful man in uh of course i believe my i love my pastor chuck baldwin who has liberty fellowship montana if you go to youtube he's got some great uh speeches on christian zionism on there if you want to learn more So, uh, but we can talk more about some of this stuff. And I just, I want to keep it simple so people can understand it and and get them using their critical thinking abilities.
0: You did such a great job today too, very succinct. Um, Mary Ellen, where can the good folks find you?
1: Well, um, I'm I'm on Twitter and I'm on Facebook. I'm not on anything else uh, because (laughs) who has time to be on five different social media sites? And, um, you know, uh, you can uh, DM me through Twitter if you want to talk privately or anything like that. I'm I'm more than willing to do that. And, of course, I can give a plug for our films, uh, freemindfilms.com. There's availability to watch all three of them um, uh, for free if you want. And in our last film, uh, Shadow Ring, we... We don't talk about Zionism at all, but we go through a lot of the history of the of the early 1900s, which led us into both wars and the CFR and everything. So there's a lot of tie-ins there. So I want to thank you for having me on. I'm happy to come back anytime and um, do this again. You guys are the best. And your your comments from your folks there are the best too.
0: We have the greatest listeners in the Foxhole, Nights of the Storm, Tiger's Den. I, I love it all. I, I, I love our listeners, they're, they're great. The reason we do this, um, Jason Barker, you've got the foxhole on uh, some time change. Uh, let, let the good folks know what's going on with the foxhole. Oh
2: yeah, so um, we're we're on FreeWorld.fm now. So what I'm doing with the foxhole is I actually record it live on Tuesday evenings. Um, at what time? At 9:30? Is it 9:30? central I, I get confused but just look for it there's a schedule there on freeworld.fm so but i will replay it at the normal time on thursdays that way people don't you know if they don't know about freeworld.fm but if you want to take part in the chat and be able to be part of the show then you got to catch it on free world and the, the chat function is absolutely phenomenal over there it's really good you can uh dm people you could throw up the cool
0: little gifs and stuff um it's pretty neat so. nice nice hey uh angus mustang what's going on on the event horizon tell the good folks where they can find you
3: yeah you can find me here on saturday mornings and also on free world and event horizon every other saturday but we went out last weekend so the up this upcoming weekend will be the next one but i just want to remind people um a certain president of ours has said that he's a zionist and i'm does he actually know what the term means? Uh, you know, maybe that's something to look at next time.
0: Yeah, that'd be great. That <laughs> Angus, you're always dropping the tidbits like Scooby Snacks. Um, excellent, excellent. Everybody check out Angus. Check out Jason Barker. I am Angry Tiger. Angry Tiger's newsletter on Substack. Uh, I will be uh, Tiger Tales tonight, freeworld.fm. Um, it's a lot of fun. Not so political, but more uh, self-improvement, life skills, stuff like that, how to prepare in a way spiritually and mentally and physically for the oncoming financial destruction that's coming so with that being said ladies and gentlemen we want to thank you for tuning in and we also would uh, a special thanks to Mary Ellen Moore and the time that she gave us today and remember time is your most valuable commodity try not to waste it spend it doing something you love with someone you love improving yourself or preferably all three of these things ladies and gentlemen until we meet again (laughs)